0: because that's why we're all in the business is is that exciting moment when everyone's working together to create this incredible thing and to try to capture something real
1: hello And welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, a man suffering from complications caused by severe obesity attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter in director Darren Aronofsky's drama, The Whale. The film tells the story of Charlie, a reclusive English teacher whose guilt over abandoning his wife and baby daughter has led to a years-long eating disorder that now threatens his life. Faced with mortality, he attempts to make amends with the daughter he left behind. In addition to The Whale, Aronofsky's other directorial credits include the feature films Mother, Noah, The Wrestler, and Requiem for a Dream. He was nominated for the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film for his 2010 feature Black Swan. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Aronofsky spoke with director Greta Gerwig about filming *The Whale*. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation.
2: I, when I saw the film, I was, it was just so incredibly moving and beautiful. And I, there's so many things I want to talk to you about how you worked with each actor, but. I also felt like it was incredibly faithful to the text. It felt um, it felt like in the best way, like the great cinematic plays, like sort of like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf or like the just using that language. And I wanted to sort of ask you about the the text and your relationship to it and the faithfulness to it and how you approached it. And is it different than how you've approached other texts that you've written?
0: Well... I think it was. Um, I was really moved when I saw it ten years ago as a play. It was almost actually ten years ago to the day, three days ago that I saw the play at Playwrights Horizon on Forty Second Street, and um, it was kind of that experience you have when you're when you're seeing a really good play, and the characters don't make much sense to you at first, and then each scene, it slowly reveals itself and more information. So it's almost like solving a mystery is what's going on in your head. And I've always liked that about theater and thought this is probably the best piece of text I've ever had to work with, and it would be a discovery working with it and learning. Mm -hmm. I, I still, you know, as directors, you watch a film hundreds if not a thousand times and there'll still be realizations um, with Sam's words that come across because there's so many different things that are connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big challenge was you know, to take this one room theater piece and figure out how to make it cinematic. Mm-hmm. But m- my mentor was a guy named Stuart Rosenberg uh, who directed Cool Hand Luke and some other great films, and I got to study with him for a year, and he would always talk about how, as directors, our job is to find the one place in the room where the camera is supposed to be. And reducing the duties of my job to that, I mean, there were a lot of things going on in this film, but really the major thing was like, how to move the actors with the text and then how to move the camera with the actors to keep it cinematic. Another thing Stuart always talked about is he always talked about theater being kind of like you take a slice of the pie out and you're looking at the inside of the pie. But in cinema, you're in the pie. And when my production designer had the breakthrough of putting a couch in the middle of the room, which most people have never seen a couch in the middle of the room, but it kind of works, it allowed him kind of to be... To Charlie to be the sun, and then all the other actors were like satellites and moons, and how they circled became just a lot of the fun of figuring it all out.
2: So that sort of leads me to something else. When when you rehearsed with the actors, did you rehearse? Did you rehearse all? Did you rehearse it like a play? Did you rehearse? You rehearsed all together and yeah, we, beat it out.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, we started three weeks before because I knew it was super low budget film, and um, I knew figuring out the shots on set would be um, unfortunate because uh, we kind of had to go in with a plan of like which walls were gonna come out the night before. So for three weeks, we we just worked our way through it. And I made all the actors watch all the other actors work, partly to create that family energy, but also um, so that they could see what the other actors were doing, so they wouldn't copy it, because there were you know only a limited amount of ways to move. But great things came out of that, and so the whole morning would just be me and the actors, and in the afternoon, Maddie Lebatique would come in and um, look at it and. And then we'd just show him what we came up with, and so and he'd take notes for what what would need to get done. But it was just a taped out set, and it was so low budget we couldn't even afford a double of the couch, so we just had like a bunch of stools for Brendan to sit on. And um, but I kind of it was taped out, but I made them respect the tape, so like they couldn't walk through walls. They had to even to start the day, we'd have to walk around the porch through through the tape of the porch into the room. Anyway, so
2: I, I, I also think because uh, I mean the sort of as a theater theater film comparison is um, actually the uh, theater director Sam Gold who I've worked with but who also Hong Chow, who plays um, Liz has worked with he's a great theater director he always says in a film rhythm can be set in many ways and in in theater rhythm is only set in one way and it's with the words and that you are the cut there's no one else <laughs> there's just you and what i was so impressed by in it was that it felt um, that the that the rhythm established by the words was never broken, and I thought that that was something that sometimes, when theater is taken out of theater, that the rhythm of the words gets lost. And I don't know if it was the fact that you had, you know, theater actors along with film actors, but it felt like, um, the, yeah, rhythm and language, which was really lovely to see.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I would um, shape the rhythm of them. I don't, I'm not really a director that gives the faster or slower direction. I've heard some directors do like faster, slower, louder, softer. And it's like, I don't, I mean, maybe, but it doesn't work for me. But it's, um, I kind of would just, I look to the actors to create their own rhythm for their characters. Sadie came in at a faster speed than everyone else. And I was like, all right, let's just take advantage of that. And it's funny, you know, as a director watching a film a thousand times i still see little micro choices that she does that i didn't catch before because she's really fast uh and um brendan did what he did Mm. Hong did a different thing each take (laughs) she's one of those it was great it was great we get to like the end of the takes and i say let's just just do whatever you want Hong, entertain us and she would do something new Uh, it was amazing and then um Ty, the young boy, was like the most, even though he had probably been on more sets than most of them, he's like a child actor. Mm-hmm. I think he was really nervous, and which was an interesting challenge because it's hard to calm down a nervous person. Because right. <laughs> if you tell a nervous person to calm down, they freak out even more. So it was just sort of a lot of patience and waiting for him to come out of his shell to find him.
2: Well, the nervousness also works really well for him. He seems like he's almost sweating all the time. I think he was, he sadly. Just, it's like that sort of uh, the, the anxiety just under the skin. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about uh, in terms of how you shot it, You'd built the you'd built the whole apartment on a stage, and then you were moving things in and out, and that's sort of with the entire thing was contained within the stage.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, we got a the back the back lot of a um, motorcycle museum in Newburgh, New York. It was um, <laughs> a really strange space. I had a lot of columns, so we had to work the columns into the set. But it was basically um, a a room set in a gigantic warehouse. And it was during COVID, so um, it was good because everyone could spread out. Mm. And uh, yeah, pretty much everything, not everything could move because once again, cost, I mean, anything can move eventually, but it just costs a lot in time. So we kind of had to make certain sacrifices and calculations of what, what was going to move and when type of
2: thing. Uh, in terms of like duration, because it, uh, it's, uh, you know, the the scene um, uh, between uh, um, Brendan and Samantha Morton is so extensive. Like, is that is that a week of shooting or is that how, how many days over, over
0: I think it was time? four days, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Sam was the only one who didn't rehearse because of COVID and she lives in London. It was really complicated to bring her in. And, it, it was and
2: in a way, it works because she's her own satellite. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it, it almost like fed into it again.
0: It did, I, yeah, luckily. But it was interesting because we brought another actor in to play her part during the rehearsals. Mm. It was actually one of the actors who played Liz in, uh, in the show on, at Playwrights Horizon. And um, I knew everything we figured out was going to be wrong uh, because Sam would have to make it her own. But still, when she showed up, it really frustrated me because you get you're you're in the flow. But I just I've been doing it enough that I just calmed down because I knew it was going to be better. And she how she works is like everything has to be real from a real reason, I, emotionally real. I mean, the vodka wasn't real, but it was the um, the emotions all had to be real and make sense to her. She couldn't really fake anything, and that was um, its own. Every every you know every actor has their own. Rhythm, as yeah.
2: you say. No, I mean, I, it was just, a, it seems like its own universe, That scene, how it unfolds, that scene, and it felt, I, when, I, when I was watching it, it I, I mean, obviously, you believe that it's all happening in this this moment, but I was sort of thinking about the actors sustaining that over days and thinking about how, you know, how as a d- director you keep them there because I, I can imagine it, um, I don't think I've ever worked on anything where like a scene is over days. Right. And what do you? What are I think you break tips? it down. You
0: break it down into chapters. There's, there was definitely it was a huge scene. It's coming back to me now. Um, it's enormous. Yeah, it's an enormous. Yeah. scene. So it was it was hard, and it, I definitely conceived it in parts. Just basically. Um, and it was interesting because I think that actually helped because there was that scene when they when she stands up and she screams at him finally, and the actors didn't want to go there. They weren't playing it hot, and it was more of like how the rest of the scene was. And because it was chapters, I was like, no, there's got to be a there's got to be more flavor to it. So. I just kept pushing them to bring it up, bring it up, bring it up, um, louder, faster. No, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> angrier, more, yeah, I more think frustrated. I'm,
2: I might be like a louder, faster. Oh, are you <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, maybe not louder. But actually, but that works. Faster.
0: That actually works for some actors because they can then use that for and do something with it.
2: Yeah. No, it's a, it's just, a, I, yeah. I guess it, it's sort of. That, that's always interesting to me, just sort of <laughs> I, also even being able to to know where you want to go with something if the actors aren't I- I going there, especially when they're as amazing as those two are, because I think it's often easy to get a little... You can get seduced by their idea of it, and right. then you ha- have to kind of keep your mind on, like, no, no, no this is we've got to do this because yeah. I, I have a concept of how this is going to work.
0: Yeah, and it, it was interesting because the... Um The stage play was was similar but also really different and the casting was really different and they 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 don't really go for realism in in the um play of course you know it's very hard to do the realism in the play but so right before um i was to shoot I went to uh, Lincoln Center. Has that incredible library where they oh, film everything?
2: Yes, yes, and, but you can only watch it once because they're worried that you're going to steal the choreography. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I, they didn't they, do that to me. Oh, well, <laughs> they do it to me. <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> they're like, you're going to take that Music <laughs> yeah. Man choreography?
0: Oh, oh, really? No, I, I just, um, yeah, I, I wanted to watch it just to see if there was anything I could learn. But the char- the actors were so different, and they played it so differently, which means I think for Sam that it'll probably be a play that people will be performing in all different types of ways for a long time because I think there's lots of ways that the material works with lots of different types of performers.
2: So. Um, when you and um, Marie Le worked on how you wanted it to look, was there a sense of... Um, I mean, did you did you give yourself limitations in terms of like we're only going to use these this kind of uh, you know lens sizes? Like, was it was it a feeling of like we want it to look like a human eye? I mean, or what yeah. was the, what was the way you thought of it?
0: Well, you're forced into a lot of decisions by being in one room, uh, so it's uh, how to use that. And it became less about lensing and more about um, light, and then the light was really related to the weather. And the weather was like charted out. One of the first things of like this rainstorm that builds has a little dip on Tuesday and then ends on Thursday and then Friday you have the sunlight breaking through for the kind of real big gamble of the film. Like when she opens the door and the bright light hits, it, you know, could go two ways. People believe it or they don't, but we went for it. And um, you know, Maddie, uh, Maddie does all these crazy things This um, young film student came up to me at the premiere the other night. and was like, oh, it's interesting how Sadie is lit all with cool lights at the beginning and then halfway through warm on one side and cool on the other, and then by the end, all warm. And I was like, I never noticed that. So, <laughs> so he's doing stuff that is, is really exciting. Um, but, and he also brought, which was great and really interesting because it was during COVID. So what we did is the camera's actually on a head hanging in front of the actors, which is interesting. I, I feel two ways about it. And Maddie then is literally outside the room with a couple of dials. Oh, he's doing it. Right. Yeah, he's doing it like, oh. like it was like a um, Like a yeah, crane. Like a rotohed. Yeah, roto head, yeah. exactly. And there's someone on the arm, so it goes up and then moving it. But it means there's no operator near the actor, which was partly a safety consideration. But it was, a, I mean, look, the, the motor doesn't work as well as the cameraman on the camera right. in the moment yeah. sensing what the actor is going to do and she or he, or they can move it in that moment. So there was, um, you lose that a little bit, but it's also really interesting because then I could, I, you can get that re, those really tight eye lines yeah. because there's no one in the way. There's always I always have that I always love tight eye lines and then you have to get the operator to flip to the other side and then the eyepiece and their left eye is not as good as yeah. their right eye and they yeah. get they can't tell if it's in focus and
2: I remember reading something you you wrote about why you love movies and it was um how to you said it was the close up because it was a way you could look into someone's eyes yeah. and that they would never know it I'm making it sound creepy it, so well, th- it was I used to
0: say the the, the kind of one of the biggest overlooked great inventions of the 20th century is the close-up, because it allows you to sort of sit there and look into Paul Newman's eyes and not be self-conscious.
2: That's right. That's yes. Um, I was thinking that. I mean, particularly with um, Charlie's face, just the how the viewers int- who you feel incredibly intimate with him, and then. I guess, too, the kind of what jumped jumping off with this of of how you guys shot it and how you decided to do it was there's a kind of um, when I was watching it, i I felt that there was sort of a, a kind of a. There was something that felt a little bit magical about the apartment. There was a sadness, and there was like a, "This is where he is. This is where we are." But then, in certain lights, at certain moments, it felt like, "But this is his kingdom, and this is, and his mind and who he is is like completely, you know, in the bookshelves and who he is." It it felt like there were moments where it felt more, more heavenly, less. Less earthly. Right? Like yeah. There was something about it, and I don't know know if it was the lighting or the production design.
0: Yeah, but. it was a lot of thought went into thinking about it because, you know, all the documentary footage, all the real footage we could find, people living with obesity seem to be living with squalor and that seems to be the people that allow camera crews into their homes to capture them but we did a lot of work with this uh group called the oac obc action action coalition and they connected us with lots of people who have lived with obesity who have um, gone through it gone through surgeries all different types of experiences and it became clear there were all types of people that did it. and Charlie's a man of letters, and um, the books on those shelves were really important. Luckily, we didn't have money to afford to rent books from the Strand, but our set dresser brought all of her library, and it was an exceptional library. Literally every book on there was a great book. So like in in between setups, it was like, oh, I really want to steal this, but I'm not going to because it belongs to my set. But you would read good poetry, and so it was a very kind of literary feel. But there was also the kind of metaphor of Moby Dick running through the whole thing, and there's a lot of nautical um, elements through it, like the sequence when he first reads the, the essay and he goes into the bed and hits the light and it's swinging and he grabs the harpoon to grab the light and the rain. And so we kept thinking about how to bring that in. Sam Morin showing up in the yellow kind of fisherman slicker and the boy tie wearing a pea coat. So try, we kept playing with those ideas.
2: No, it, I, I think it. it I, there's something about it that's both incredibly um, grounded and then heightened. It has like a sheen of something that's uh, floating above. And I, I felt like the sort of shimmeriness, it was his mind. It, it felt like his mind was... A place that was...
0: Yeah, which is the reflection of the light on the water through the windows, but definitely to give, you know, because it, it is real, but of course it's heightened. That it, There's no you-knows, there's no stutters, there's just good text. Uh, so it is a created fake reality, but I think you ground it with um, actors that look real, and emotions that are truthful and honest, then you sort of arrive somewhere.
2: I, I mean, I don't even know how to sort of begin this question, but you're working with Brenton and how he came to it and what, because he's, he's just amazing in this. And what, I, how did you both know?
0: <laughs> or Yeah, I, I had, one of the reasons it took 10 years to make was there was never an actor that got me excited about making it with them. I thought about a lot of actors. I felt with movie stars, it, you would sort of feel, you'd be looking for the, the the makeup because you would know what that person looks like. But Brendan was a movie star, and once a movie star, I think always a movie star, and he has that thing, but no one's really seen him for a long time. So when I, uh, I guess in January, 2020, I saw a trailer of a, um, low budget Brazilian movie and there was Brendan and I was like, we never thought of him. It just was like an aha moment. And then he came to see me and he was such a gentleman, such a good guy. But I didn't realize how loved he is by the world. I had no idea. I'm kind of, you might be the George of the Jungle generation.
2: Yes. You that's, are. That's
0: <laughs> I'm a <laughs> yes, little older than yes. that. So I i didn't really see, I never saw that. I never saw Encino Man. Yeah. Um, I actually hadn't seen any of the dramatic work until I still haven't seen Gods and Monsters, but I did see School Ties in post. But it it really was a gut feeling. It just, um, he just got me excited by it. And the thing with all of these roles is that you need a hungry actor because I knew emotionally lots of actors could do it, but technically the four hours of makeup and the one hour out, it's a lot for anyone. You need someone who's really, really wants to work. And it was very clear to me that Brendan hadn't been given opportunities for a long time and really, really wanted to work.
2: I mean, and I don't know how much of this is the way he he came into it with or you guys found this balance together of, um, you know, his gentleness, his humor, his immense stubbornness of being, you know, sure of what he's doing, but also his malleability. There's something about he's for somebody who has so much trouble moving, it's, as a as a character, he's so l- light in his transitions emotionally, and I don't know if it, sort of how, like, he's very funny in it and very charming, and I sort of, did you guys talk about the humor, was that something that was like clear on the surface, or was it just something that he has because he's just a funny person that comes through, or...
0: Yeah, I, there were times because the when I, the play, the actor was much more um, grouchy, let's put it that way. And it didn't have that same type of charm, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And so when he came at it, I, at first I was like, this early to be this charming, I, I, I wasn't sure. But I think people come in with such prejudices about um, how they see someone like that that it's still very difficult for people. That if he had been... An unpleasant person it might have been too much for people, I think, so I, I kind of was like, this This could work. This, this could balance. And I don't think you can fight the tide of what an actor is. I think you have to kind of let them walk into the room and then figure out how to make them comfortable to be relaxed. And so it was what it was. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, because I, I tried to battle the young, nervous tie To be calm, and that did not work. So eventually, I just had to keep making him feel more and more um, at at home.
2: No, I I, it feels it feels yeah. Both, I mean, like the whole movie does. It's just I think everything is everything in movies. It's like it feels both incredibly natural and also heightened. It feels like it's it's a performance, but also it's who he is. You feel um, who he is as a person coming through in a really
0: beautiful way and it's it's not him i mean the, the words he definitely shaped for the words but he was able to connect to it in lots of ways i think from his own life but i think he's definitely acting a role he just can't his personality is just um that infectious, I think.
2: And maybe it's the what you were saying that just to, when you met with him that he's a good guy. There's something just incredibly humane and very, like, you just feel instantly. I mean, honestly, it's the way I, I did always feel about him on screen before, you know, you just were happy he was on the screen. And it, it felt that way in this.
0: Um. Yeah, I felt, it was funny, at TIFF he got... Um, performer of the year award or something and there was i had to introduce him and then they showed a reel that they cut together i actually put it on instagram today because it's his birthday and it, it's like all the george of the jungle and the mummy and all those things and then it cuts to like a piece from the from charlie and it's kind of stunning because it's like to see an actor there's a whole chunk of his life missing it's not really represented in this reel because mm. there weren't really that many roles so but, and just to see the the difference between Encino Man and Charlie that was, was um, and yet it's one actor, so I was pretty moved by it.
2: So how how many total shooting days were there for this?
0: I think it was thirty three.
2: Thirty three. Like so that. yeah. So and so and a few weeks of
0: rehearsal before. Three weeks of rehearsal. Three
2: yeah. weeks before, and then thirty three days of shooting. So it was a, it and it was so was a completely. I mean intense, immersive, fast sort of experience. And when he was rehearsing, did he um, use all of the makeup, or did, was it How did he? Yeah, it's all makeup. Because that would change everything. Um,
0: yeah, no. He he said, "Should I put on weight?" I was like, "There's no way you can put on yeah. that type of weight." So it's going to be makeup and. The first call after Brendan did it was to Adrian Moreau, the prosthetics artist I worked with for a long time. And I was like, number one, is this possible? And then the the next kind of restriction I'm putting on you is I don't want any makeup on any kind of crevice or wrinkle of his of his face. So the, the basically the prosthetic comes up to here and then wraps around here, but doesn't doesn't touch the crow lines or the mouth or any of that because I wanted him to be able to use his entire instrument But it was super complicated because kind of every movie that's ever done, a person living with obesity is usually, first of all, the characters are usually jokes or um, offensive or bad guys. And the the makeup is often just like foam or pillows cut out. And so it doesn't move like a real human being. It's, It's just a caricature. So it was really important to... for for us to go for the realism. But it it was complicated because it was so hot in there that if he started to heat up, his face would turn red, but the prosthetics would not turn red. So then we put him in an F1 kind of um, homemade air conditioning suit that pumped cold water through there to keep his body cold, but he would then be sweating and be shivering from it. So it was like, you know, it took a long time to figure out how to make him feel comfortable in the makeup. So...
2: So that whole process started in rehearsals, like not maybe. I think, I think the
0: first person who was getting a salary was Adrian before any of us.
2: So that and, was being and, worked on.
0: I yeah, it's a probably a four, six, seven months before or something like that. He had him start working on it because it was all technology that hadn't been done. You know, we couldn't we couldn't um, cast him, which is how you'd normally do it. So we had to figure out the, with new technologies. My producer went to him and. Outside in the middle of the winter with an iPad and walked around him with an iPad to get like a, a LiDAR or a scan of him. Um, you know, it was interesting because we were in New York and all of my crews are basically New Yorkers and everyone was like, I'd love to work. The DGA says we could work, SAG says we could work. And I felt a little irresponsible to do a big movie because i was hearing about people getting sick and film shine down for three weeks and it was pre-vaccine and so people were dying and um but i felt this was perfect five actors in a room we're going to do it upstate newburgh so people aren't with their in new york city and no one got sick and largely because of you know the regulations that all the unions came together to do mm-hmm. and everyone respected it and it worked out fine And by the end, everyone had pretty much one shot. So it was kind of, but it was kind of, it's like, where's the first AC? Oh, she got a shot. She's out. Oh, but this is the big emotional scene with Hong. Oh, gosh. And it was actually a disaster because it was a new focus puller. And he was using this, um, suddenly I hear like this, like it's super close up of that scene where she's crying. and And I hear like this weird clicking noise. And I'm like, what's that? And everyone looks away. They're like, not me, not me. And it's like he had put the um, automatic focuser on, which oh, some yeah. some people use. Yeah, yeah. It Has a little, and it had a little motor on it. Oh no! I was like, no, you can't use that. You, you know, right oh. here. Oh. Um, <laughs> And so, there the only one take. Actually, was usable, and we got it in one. In the, we shot a whole day of that, and it was all useless except for one shot. So, there um, were other results of, of losing people in that way. Um,
2: and this is sort of uh, this is going back. But for you, when you're uh, given with all the the COVID protocols and everything, um, not with COVID protocols, are you a director who is? by the camera or behind the monitor or just looking at the actors where you what are you looking at
0: i'm always close to the actor um because um i just like to call after a take i'll sometimes call out an audible or but also i think you do see more when you're looking at the person um and i'll have like a little handheld thingy that's right there and i'll like if the camera's moving i'll just look down to make sure it's what we were talking about. Because I, I don't do playback. I, I think that's like a waste of time. I'm like, let's just do another take, yeah. which the actors don't always like, but you know, it's why we're there. I, if you think about it, though, it's like the time between action and cut, if you actually put that in the amount of time we actually wait to get to there, it, if you add up all the action and cuts versus starting a movie to write the screenplay to finishing the movie. What would be like 0.05% of our time? Right. The rest of it's yes. like all bullshit.
2: Yes. To yes.
0: get to that moment. Because yeah. that's why we're all in the business is, is that exciting moment um, when everyone's working together to create this incredible thing um, and to try to capture something real.
2: So, for, because of the COVID protocols and everything, were you were you farther away than yeah, you usually like to yeah, be? Yeah,
0: I was. Was in the room always, but um, it was a small room, so it was like yeah. you could be anywhere yeah. as long as you're in front of them. Um, and that would be usually like this crane arm, and and then me, right. and then it would it'd be like it was actually a very few people. It was me, the AC, the person operating the arm, three, and then the boom. Right. that was it that's all in the room and uh, like makeup would have to be nearby because there was always something going wrong with the prosthetics that had to be touched up right so they'd come in and spray or whatever and do their thing but uh, it was it was kind of nice it was like a really really like empty quiet set and everyone else was watching on big screens Out not, not big screens one big screen outside
2: okay yeah. and then uh, this is sort of jumping ahead to po- post production. Uh, what is it? What was your process like with the music, with uh, um, the uh, the the score, um, and finding yeah. it? What is?
0: Well, we actually w- we've hired one composer first, who's was a great is a great composer, but is not a is not a, a film composer. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lesson there it, that there's a real craft to film composing. Mm-hmm. So we started to, for the first time ever in my career, I actually brought on a music editor or supervisor first, and they actually cut in different music from different composers. And there was one guy who kept showing up his tracks, and that was Rob Simonson, who I'd never worked with, I'd never met, never really listened to his stuff, but he, a lot of his pieces worked. Mm-hmm. So. He came on, was super eager and excited, and loved also the kind of nautical metaphor. So there's a lot of things that are very sea sounding in there. And um, and then it was just a back and forth for a long time till we got there.
2: Yeah, that's a, f- yes, film composing is very specific. <laughs> Who was the music supervisor you ended up working with?
0: His name was uh, Andy Cohen. Oh. The,
2: yeah, I'm I, I'm. I have one who I like very much, yeah. and yeah, yeah. her name is Susanna Perrick But yeah. anyway, I, when I worked with her, I, I don't think I had been around anyone who, I didn't really know what a music, what, what, not, or what they did, or what, what a yeah. music editor. But did.
0: You're, you're on a big movie, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, but so I, they make you, they make you put in them. the music, though, don't they? <laughs> They kinda of, for uh, all they get um, they get nervous about it, I think. Yeah. I, I usually wait till the end. Like I don't watch it. I never watch it with music. You
2: never watch it with any temp. No. You watch it just you what? cut
0: bare. You cut, cut bare. bare. Yeah. Because the music's a crutch.
2: And so yes, you gotta make it
0: work as well as you can with it. right? The, music, the music's only going to make it better. So you're right. lying if you're putting in the music early. That's yes. how I feel. But no, they make, I I, right. I, when we didn't know it, they were like, you got to put music in all along the whole way. And I was like, well, I I, have, I just didn't have any interest in it. Because it was like, but then you go to test scores and it was always a disaster without music. So.
2: Oh, right. Right, because they wanted you to test with a temp music. Yeah. Yeah. No, I it's uh,
0: I should thank the my crew from the, my DGA crew, just really, it was, oh, yeah. Duccio Fabri was the first, and then Alice Johnson was our second. Samson did locations, and Ty, um, Tyson Binder was our um, UPM. Oh, yeah. So, Tyson's just always shout wonderful. out to them, because we represent <laughs> everyone.
2: Um, yeah, and and in terms of like, what, is this after making a movie like this in this way, do you have a feeling of like, I would like to do another super text based thing, or are you like now? I want to do something with it's a no. Good,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I, I'm just looking for something that moves me. I, I I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I mean, there's great things about being one location. Basically, if you run out of time, you you're not you're not moving. <laughs> there's no studio move tomorrow. There was only one day we were on location, and um, that not having that pressure of that type of time pressure. Because it was always like, oh, we didn't we didn't actually make the scene, but it's okay. It's basically the same thing tomorrow. That's really kind of cool, which I guess what happens on sitcoms or something, right? Or TV might be like yeah. that. You have a set.
2: Yes, you have a that's, set. That's fun.
0: I found, that I just never had done that. It's always like, oh, we got to, you have to be out by five o'clock because they're setting up the restaurant for tonight's business and we can't come back. Cause, anyway, so. Right. It allowed for amazing moments so like with brendan there was a day in the final scene with sadie where he just had peaked and he was kind of stunned that i was like oh let's come back tomorrow which was a there was a gamble with a more junior actor letting him off the hook and allowing them to come back next day they could get into their head and uh really blow it i think but he had been doing it long enough that i was like you know what you relax come back fresh and then take one the next day. He like nailed a few takes in a row, and we moved on. It's yeah.
2: great. I mean, having the freedom to be able to like leave something is is, is sort of extraordinary. Is and I think it's one of the worst feelings when they're like, "It's over," and you're like, "Oh no, that's weird." Now we have this.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> you're not going back unless I don't know. Although they do do reshoots on those big movies. I've never done that either, but I've. I've heard that that's a big part. Are you doing that? I've never done that. Okay, good. I've
2: I've done inserts Inserts, that I know I needed, or um, yeah, like some some of the big ones
0: get like they budget like three weeks or something,
2: right? Well, or they do the thing where they shoot different, they shoot
0: different versions, yeah. yeah.
2: I I was like it's hard it's hard enough to just shoot the version you think is right exactly I I would be so stressful if we were living in multiple worlds exactly Um,
0: you have to tell an actor that they have to try it another way that but their whole performance should be built towards one way I think.
2: It, I that's hard. I, I I I feel the same way but then sometimes I'm like am I a 1.0 human and no. everybody's moved on yeah. and can live more
0: um, May, maybe
2: <laughs> fluidly than I can. Um but no it, it's a yeah it's a real I've I've always I just I just I have always been I love theater and I love um I love I love films that feel cinematic but that are of theater And I think it's uh, what you've done is so—it's so so beautifully in that tradition, and it so reminds me of how much I love it because um, it's—I think it it just goes back to it's, it's. it's what you were saying the simplicity of the right place to put the camera in the room and it's the where is the camera what are the words
0: so i know what you're doing next
2: <laughs> i'm just going to remake this <laughs> no i but i but i do it's uh it's 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 just wonderful to see and it's very um it's i, I and I, and i feel so sort of inside of it because i got to i got to peek at it before and it's so just a just such a treat to see it completely realized and yeah it's wonderful and I think we're am I being told to stop no no no,
0: no questions really
2: oh I don't know does Maybe. anyone have Can a question we, yeah. oh we have a question here oh,
0: yeah we were, sorry too late yes yeah the shooting order once again because we were in one location it was pretty easy um to shoot in in order which was good because it allowed the actors really to um build and temper and change as as it progressed Yeah, shooting that out of order would have been crazy um, I'm, I don't maybe we shot a few things out of order like to when we went like him walking up and down the um like being in the bathroom taking a shower was like a big deal for us because we weren't on a real stage and just sucking water out every take. It was all fake, so it was it was just complicated. They had to come in with those crazy vacuums and suck it up. Yeah, not not really. I think I I, I haven't. I grew up in New York City and my parents in South Brooklyn and. Every Friday night, we come in and get the worst seats in Broadway shows, and I grew up on Broadway shows with a big stack of Playbills. Um, but um, no, I, I, so I've, I've seen a lot, but I haven't, um, I haven't done any theater, really. Actually, that's not true. In 10th grade, I was the director of Sing in Brooklyn. So <laughs> yeah, it was my you, first directing gig. You
2: and Noah.
0: You uh, Noah did Sing also?
2: He did Midwood Sing. I did,
0: and I did Morrow Sing. Yeah. We could have competed the school yeah.
2: I think maybe he was in his mind with you. <laughs> um, anyone
0: else? Sam, it was the first screenplay that Sam wrote. He jokes that he bought Final Draft to make the movie. And um, when I went to watch a thing in Lincoln Center, there was no pizza guy. And I thought that I was convinced I had seen the pizza guy on stage. But his writing is so good and so solid and so convincing that even the little things he changed, it was one of the first things he put in was the pizza guy. Um, but I completely had imagined the pizza guy, like down two steps. Like I had the whole visual in my head. And I was like, well, how would they have done that playwright slower to him two steps? Anyway, um, but the other question about well, we were in the middle of the pandemic, so we didn't know what the world would be like, and we knew that if we started in the present, Liz being in healthcare and him being um, the health condition he was in, everyone would be in masks. So that which clearly couldn't work. So we knew it had to be period. And I think we chose 2016 because um, for Sam, um, it felt like, and for many people, it felt like that we were on the edge of. A precipice of where the world changed. Um, it's funny. I produced a uh, show that's coming out on FX in a few weeks called Kindred, and that's also set during that during that election as well. Because um, so, I think it's kind of this. It's when <laughs> it was the last time the world was sort of normal, um, and. Uh, But then I I chose spring because we were shooting in the spring. We had the one outdoor scene, and I didn't have the budget to change the season. So I was like, all right, we'll commit to March, or we'll commit to spring in March when we were shooting. And then I was like, what happened in March 2016? And it was Super Tuesday. And I was like, okay, that's cool as a background thing. But it's not supposed to be political in any way. It's not like we're saying anything with it. In fact, I tried to, like, remove all references to... The man who will remain unnamed, um, because I didn't want it to trigger anyone in any way. So I was like, you know, it's just interesting that this was going on at one point in the world, yet this story was also going on. So uh, I haven't done the hip hop montage since like like uh, <laughs> two thousand nineteen ninety nine or something. It was a long time ago. Um, you know, I think every film has its own grammar. You know, uh, definitely Pie and Requiem were related, but The Fountain was kind of like this kind of dollies and classic and and then I re, the wrestler was reinvented of like doing cinema verite with Mickey and then we took that to Black Swan this one it was felt exciting to just sort of do something classic with dolly and, and arms and just keep it really smooth um, you know I think the big decision was 4-3 uh, because you know you want widescreen when you're Sergio Leone and 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 you have things to look at. (laughs) Here it was just the books and stuff. And also it just was a better reveal. It was really about their emotions and the actors and their faces. And then as far as the editing, it was really just about performance and just being truthful to, um, you know, squeezing the best moments of performance out on the screen that we could. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.